0: Have you ever wondered how people make tons of money on creative market by selling things like templates and other visual elements? Well, if yes, you are in for a treat today because Alicia from Basil and Bark is on the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast with us sharing all of her secrets on how creative market totally changed her life. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Rebel Boss Ladies podcast, where we feature everyday rebel women just like you who are taking charge of their life and creating a path to financial freedom by building a business online. I'm your host, Eden Freed, and it's time to build your empire. Okay, Alicia, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So Let's start off with you telling our Rebel Boss Ladies community a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, so I'm Alicia and I sell social media and content marketing templates on my website and on Creative Market. And Previously, I used to do custom one-on-one services for clients for social media graphics and templates and content upgrades, lead magnets, stuff like that. So anything in the content marketing space and then I started selling them as templates and now that is my primary, like that's the main thing that I do.
0: So how did you get into this world?
1: Several years ago when I was in university, I got an internship at an agency and their primary client was a publisher who published four different athletic magazines. And my dream was just to kind of get into publishing um, and do editorial design. So I got that internship and I did editorial design. I was on that project like full time. It was my main thing. And just became like an InDesign whiz and was obsessed with moving things around in InDesign and laying them out differently. So when I started my business, it was kind of just a no-brainer that this was my thing, my skill in the design world, and I didn't see anybody else doing it. So that's how I chose it.
0: Okay. So did, so did you start your business kind of like while you were working in that position or how did it, how did it begin?
1: No, I actually quit the agency after a couple of years because they were so small. There were only like three or four people working there and there was nowhere for me to go and no more money to be had. (laughs) So I quit the agency and moved on to a startup company where I thought there was a lot of opportunity uh, and there would have been had they not spent all of their money. So they laid off the entire marketing department, including me. Uh, about a week before my boyfriend and I were looking for a house across the country in British Columbia. We were living in Toronto at the time. Um, so we decided that we would go ahead and move across the country anyway and that I would find a job here. And then it, it only took me a couple of interviews to realize that I didn't wanna get another job. I wanted to start my own thing. So I started my own thing and that's how it came about.
0: Wow, okay, what What a story. <laughs> I had no idea, but I didn't know that about you. So you um, didn't have income coming in from your business, kind of just started with nothing, with no job.
1: Wow. Yeah, absolutely nothing. My boy, I was very fortunate that my boyfriend was supportive, and he believed that I could start something. So we kind of had this agreement that if I was able to get a couple of clients that, and that it seemed like I was going in the right direction, then it would be okay. Um, he would take care of the mortgage and everything like that, and then I would just contribute as much as I possibly could, and. I would say within about six months I had like gotten to a place where I was able to contribute the same amount that I was before. And I replaced my previous salary, um, within about eight months. And then as soon as my templates took off, my templates like really took off. And then my templates alone had replaced my previous salary. Then I sort of like switched over and kind of, it kind of started over a little bit.
0: Okay. So, so what was the timeline of that? Um, (laughs) your, you were kind of like freelancing. And that replaced mm-hmm. your previous income. So, at what point did your yeah. templates actually replace replace your freelance income?
1: That was about. So, I got laid off in September of 2017. I got my first client at the end of October before I was even Basil and Bark, which is my business name now. Um, I fully put like everything into the business, and actually, I actually was doing some freelance work for the company that laid me off. So, I fired them <laughs> in the in early 2018. And by the time I had released my templates around March, I had started and they fully replaced my previous salary by about June or July. Yeah. And then at that point I was like, okay, um, I, at that point I was, it's actually interesting The the month that I quote unquote booked out my services was the month that my templates had gotten to that point. So as soon as I had reached this like pinnacle of, you know, what freelance designers aspire to do, which is book out their services and have you know, a full-time income from services, I was like, actually, I think I'm, I'm not gonna do any of that anymore <laughs> and I'm just
0: gonna do the templates instead. Oh my gosh, so, I love that. Now, were you ever, did you ever feel like, oh my gosh, is this gonna work? Or like fear, any kind of anxiety surrounding that? All the time and
1: I still do. I like, I'm sure I'll make no money next month.
0: But <laughs> even though I have like a
1: spreadsheet full of money that's already guaranteed to come in, um, I think we always hear about imposter syndrome And actually people ask me about that all the time too. And it's, it's interesting. There are templates on my shop that sell, I kid you not every day or every second day I sell one of them and I look at them and I'm like, those could get so much better. Like, I don't know why people are buying these. Like, there's just always, there's always like a sense of like, uh, I don't think I'm doing it right. Or like things are going to go wrong, but then they don't go wrong. So
0: yes. 100 percent i love that you mentioned imposter syndrome because i know that that's something that a lot of our listeners struggle with um and that's what's holding them back from even getting started because they're like oh somebody's already doing it better or you know i'm not like i'm not a pro yeah and i
1: remember even back it was like february march april having conversations with my boyfriend he had a job here like a nine to five and but we only had one car so i would drive him to work and then um drive home and then pick him up from work and drive home and on our drives there we would kind of like review what was going on with my business. And I would say, you know, if this doesn't happen, then I'm going to start looking at job postings because I don't know if I can do this anymore. And then the thing would happen or something else would happen. And then the next week I would say the same thing. Well, if I can't, if I can't make this happen, then I'm not going in the right direction. I'll have to look for jobs, but I never had to. I always, I kind of like poked my head on indeed.com a couple of times, but there was never a time when I actually like sent a resume because I don't know, it just always kind of, things always kind of worked out so
0: yeah and actually you know this it's good that you brought that up the idea of like ultimatums that you make with yourself um mm-hmm. actually this was a topic i just recently attended the tribe conference um, hosted by jeff goins and we talked about ultimatums and you know things that you say to yourself like if this doesn't work i'm gonna do xyz mm-hmm. instead now if you could go back in time would you still give yourself those ultimatums
1: no no <laughs> uh if i could go back in time and tell myself or anybody who's starting a business, um, any advice about that? I would fully 100% just say, you know there's I, I've heard a couple of people actually say um, maybe this is getting off topic, but I've heard a couple of people say that when they did leave their jobs and they had kind of like a security blanket, like they had a, um, a savings account with some money to kind of like back them up and get them started, they found that they weren't able to like put their all into it. like there wasn't that pressure that demands that it had to happen. And I didn't have that. I had a boyfriend who was supportive, thankfully, but I didn't have my own, like, my own, like, emergency fund, unfortunately. And I think if I had that, I would say the same thing. Like, there's the best thing that you can possibly give to yourself is absolutely no choice. So um, I think it's natural that we give ourselves those, like, options. Like, if this happens, this happens, like, a, sort of like a
0: direction to take. But if your only direction is forward, you can only go forward, right? It, it almost feels like there's a fire under you because you just, there's nothing else to do except keep putting one one foot in front of the other and just doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, so I have to ask. So your boyfriend, um, what did he say when all of this just started blossoming for you?
1: Well, <laughs> this is okay. So this is kind of getting interesting now because so my boyfriend, he when when we moved here, interesting story, I had already been laid off. We moved here and he had a job all lined up and he's an animator. He does 2D animation, like sort of like children's shows. Um, so he had a job all lined up for like the week after we moved here and he immediately also got laid off because, um, there was some drama around the, one of the voice actors, um, one of those me too situations and everything was just kind of like put away and it just wasn't the right time, including everybody who was hired to work on the show. So he was laid off as well. And at the same time as I was building my business and he, he had another job lined up for a couple of months down the road. He started his own kind of online business unintentionally. He released an animation on YouTube and it just took off, absolutely took off. So at the time he was like, so supportive of me. He was like, I, f- I think you're going to be able to do it. Like they're just continue every week after week after week. I kind of showed him evidence that something else was, was headed in the right direction. So he was fully supportive. Um, but he, he did like go along with my little plans. Like I might look for job listings next week and he'd be like, okay, yeah, good idea. But then the next week he'd be like, see, I knew you could do it. And then now the tables have kind of flipped because he's in a situation where he's got a full-time job, but he's also got this side hustle that is uh, is doing really, really well. And now I have to remind him, like, no, this is imposter syndrome that you think you can't do this full-time. You have to leave the job and just do it because as good as it is now, it's gonna get way better. Now I feel like I'm like his like business coach or like his motivational speaker. I'm like, just do it. Just quit the job. Like <laughs> I almost get a little bit angry. About I it. love it.
0: No, that's really great because there's so many people out there who say that their spouses don't support them. I always say that if you want your spouse to support you and understand what you're doing, give yeah. them proof that you're moving forward, even if it's like a little baby step. So that's really smart of you to kind of give him that.
1: Actually, I would, yeah, I would say that I would say give them evidence and almost like prove them wrong. Right because one of the things that my boyfriend always did tell me is when I got client inquiries for people who wanted a logo or a website, which is not what I was offering, not what I was interested in doing, I would turn them down. I was like, nope, I don't have the room for that right now. I would be too nervous. I would spend four times as much time. I would undercharge for it. I may as well just do what I'm doing. He'd be like, okay, like, I don't know. You're turning down money. And then, But then, again, like things just kind of kept going in the right direction. I knew that was the right decision. But he didn't quite understand it, so I kind of had to prove him wrong. And about a month ago, um, I invested in a in a really big program um, by J- James Wedmore, and I, I told him the price, and he his response was, "Well, you've proven me wrong so many times, you should probably just do it." So that kind of like was like a pivotal moment where I was like, "Oh, you're right. I did prove you wrong a bunch of times," and I saw a lot of other people in the groups talking about this program, it's a huge investment saying, you know, my husband's not on board. How do I get him on board? And the advice that other people gave was just like, just take action and prove them wrong. Make it, make it work. And quite a few people popped in like a week later and they were like, sure enough, I put my all into it. I got an amazing opportunity that paid for the program. And now he's fully on board with it. There you so. go.
0: And we, we could talk about like getting your spouse to support you and for like the entire episode. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's a whole other yeah episode. so, but let's talk about, creative market because you're kind of like the creative market queen um, and like getting templates on there. So first of all, tell us about your templates. Like um, what are they? Why are they great? And then we'll move into talking about creative market. Super brief interruption to say that Alicia is about to go into major detail on how to leverage creative market. But before she does that, I'd love to ask you guys a really, really quick favor. Hopefully, it's not gonna be too much to ask, but if you could just take a really quick screenshot of your screen on your computer or on your phone as you're listening to this podcast and share it to Facebook, your Instagram feed, your Instagram stories, and tag me at Eden Freed and tag Alicia at Basil and Bark just to show her some love and to show her that we're listening and we love the information she's providing. It goes a really long way to spreading the word about who she is and the information she provides, but also it helps us interact with you and continue the conversation off of the podcast. Thank you so much, and let's get back to the interview.
1: Yeah, so my templates essentially, they come in Adobe format and Canva format because Canva is kind of all the rage for DIYers in the space space. Um, and what I make is essentially just the things that I see people needing, um, the things that people used to hire me for, or still inquire about, um, I just turn them into a template, kind of give them their own little brand and, uh, and post them for sale for like a fraction of the price that I would have charged. Um, so I have social media templates, which those started with Pinterest templates. I know Pinterest is a really, really amazing traffic driver for Um, Bloggers and online businesses. It's amazing for my own business So I have a lot of Pinterest templates and I have as well a lot of like lead magnets or content upgrades I have like a roadmap template if you've seen a lot of people doing like the roadmap the five-step roadmap to this or that I have like a little roadmap and um, Yeah, just a bunch of little assets like that in in the two formats and yeah, I sell them I started selling them on my website. I sort of did a mini launch to my email list um, and then About a week later, of course, my whole email list had heard about them. And I was like, well, what do I do with them now? And somebody recommended that I put them on Creative Market. And I thought, you know, if you look at Creative Market, there's something like 26,000 shops and like a million listings or something. I was like, these are never going to get seen. (laughs) I'll be lucky if I get a sale. Um, But I started getting sales every couple of days. And I was like, oh, okay. So what if I made more or like paid attention to what was working and then kept working on it? So I did. I made more templates, put them up there. Um, and then once I kind of decided that I like put an income goal on it every month and really worked worked for it again, kind of like did that same thing, gave myself one direction, it just kept growing. And I learned more and more. So yeah, that's where I'm I at now. I just
0: to call this out that you said, I, I always believe that in our lives, there are like these pivotal moments where you can either go in one direction or the other. And depending on which direction mm-hmm. you choose, like it changes the entire course of your life. And you looked at creative market and saw, oh, there's like 20 something thousand shops on there. You could have either just like skipped it altogether or just said, you know what, I'm going to make it work for me. And you chose to make it work for you. And that's really remarkable. It's really Oh, thank yeah, I mean it's great because yeah. a lot of people would say you know what that is like territory that's already taken there's so much competition mm-hmm. I can't go there but you kind of said you know what who cares like I'm I'm gonna do it anyway do you have any tips for people listening who might be thinking you know I don't know if I should go with creative market um, there's so many there's so much competition there like what would you tell them to do
1: yeah It's, it's interesting because now I'm at this point now where I've released this course where I'm teaching people about creative market as well. And I have gotten so many questions from people who are not sure whether they want to buy the course because they're like, well, I think creative market might be too saturated. I'm like, it's not too saturated if you have something unique to offer and everybody has something unique to offer. If I had just gotten onto creative market and looked at what other people were doing and did something very, very similar I don't think that I would have found success on creative market, but instead what I did is I listened to my audience and my clients. I created things that I thought people would need and I did the research on my part and put them out there and they kind of created their own little space for themselves. So I would say, I've always said if you just stick to what you know and your core is right for the people that you're serving, then it's very likely that it's right for the people on creative market as well. Like there's 100% a space for whatever you're doing. If what you're doing is, Unique that you that you come up with it right so it doesn't have to be like a completely wildly different category of things like I'm still just doing lead magnets and social media graphics that fit into the categories and other people are doing the same type of thing but they're not doing exactly what I'm doing yeah right?
0: that's great and that's true for any space that might be saturated like it's yeah. not even specific to creative market if you put your own spin on something it's gonna stand out in the crowd of like all Mm -hmm. the other noise out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what else is true too, that um, if you look at creative market and you're like, well, other people are already doing it. That's actually a good thing because it means that there are people going to creative market with their money to buy. And they don't, the best thing about creative market is that you don't need to market anything. They've got people coming to their website, looking to buy things every single day with the, like the intention to put their credit card out and buy what they're looking for. So if you put something up there that shines and that looks a little bit different and that can apply to somebody else's unique niche or um, brand, then they're there to buy your thing, right? That's amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So so what kind of products do well on creative market?
1: Um, I always recommend just to look at the categories of creative market. There are a few that are clearly um, kind of like dead zones. <laughs> and there are a couple that are, that are very saturated, but you can still do well in. Um, the really saturated ones are... Fonts in particular and stock photos, there are tons of them. So it, it might be a little bit harder to stand out there, but it's not impossible. I have friends who sell stock photos and fonts on Creative Market and they still make sales regularly. Um, so again, not impossible. But the other things that do well on Creative Market are website themes, textures, brushes, presets. Um, I think I already said templates. Templates is what I do. Um, pretty much like a design asset that you would take and use to create something on your own if that makes sense. Nothing like worksheets or workflows or courses or eBooks, nothing really educational whatsoever, nothing where the actual content is being delivered. It's just the framework or an asset to build something.
0: So it really is passive income because what happens is you create it once and then it sells over and over again and there's not much maintenance on your part, right? Mm -hmm. I always say that it's passive once you
1: make your time investment back. So for example, um, my roadmap, When I designed roadmaps for clients, I would charge them for two to three hours and I designed like five different roadmaps. So when I basically unbranded the roadmap, I spent maybe an hour and a half doing that, Um, just gave it its own color scheme and posted on Creative Market. I only had to sell like four templates to make my time investment back and then the rest is passive, right? So um, you do want to pay attention to the ones that are not only making your money back, but then like 10xing your money over the course of months. And it will take some time. Like it, you won't make all of, the, all of that money within like a couple of days. It'll take time. Um, but yeah, if you're strategic about it, it can 100% be passive. So for the month of October, I was focusing on other things. And I posted one template <laughs> that took me about a half an hour to whip up. Everything else was passive. And I made the same amount of money that I made in September. So
0: Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with passive income is it's not passive in the beginning, but it's it's usually worth it because eventually you will make the money back and more. more, right.
1: Yeah. And that's why it's so important to, to kind of like release, I call it a minimum viable product. So release something to the audience that you already have just to prove that the people you have at your disposal are interested in buying that thing. Um, And just to, just to make sure, just to extra validate it, um, before you go ahead and you, like, go all out on it, right? Just spend a little bit of time on one or two products that you think will work um, and then test it out, get a feel for it, and then go all out.
0: So so you mentioned earlier that um, you had your own unique approach and unique spin, um, but you also had, like, people. So um, how do you use your own audience and guide them to your creative market shop?
1: Yeah, so... When I released the first couple of templates, I just released them to my list. Um, I used the Shopify Buy button and put them on my website. But once I put them on Creative Market, essentially I just told everybody to go to Creative Market. Um, I would just show them screenshots of like where it was located, or I would just like if I was including a button in an email, I just directed them straight to, to Creative Market. There were no really questions to ask there. I was like, I have a Creative Market shop. Go here. The cool thing about that is that. Now, when you do that, you're using the, the people who are going to buy your templates. Maybe there are only three or four people that are going to buy your templates, but sometimes that's all you need to actually move your product from like rank number hundred to rank number five. And then people who are coming to creative market looking for that design asset can see yours because it's right at the top because the three people who are going to buy your thing anyway, went to creative market to do it and kind of push the algorithm. So that's how
0: you do it. Okay, yeah, so basically you're using your own audience to trick is probably the wrong word but we'll use it for now but yeah. convince we'll say um Creative Market that this is like a product people want and then it'll be shown to more people who are coming to Creative Market outside of your audience. Is that mm-hmm. okay? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And this is the same strategy that some people do on Amazon as well with physical products. They'll send some of their audience over to Amazon to kind of, they call it like spike the algorithm to get that product ranked a little bit higher and get some reviews on there. And then um, it becomes more visible to the people who are coming to Amazon anyway, same concepts.
0: Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Now, is there any benefit besides that? Like in what case would somebody choose creative market over just kind of creating their own shop and hosting their own digital products on their site themselves? Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, I didn't post,
1: I posted my templates on my website when I launched and then took them down a couple of weeks later and focused on creative market because I did really want to take advantage of the market that was coming to creative market every day. Um, I wasn't confident that I would be able to grow my audience at a speed that I would be able to sort of maintain that on my own. Um, So I put them on creative market to really, uh, to really leverage the audience that was over there. Um, which i highly recommend if you're somebody who's like well i haven't grown an audience yet or i'm not really i don't really get a lot of traffic yet like if you're a little bit unsure that you'll able you'll be able to maintain sales on your own definitely use their audience 100% um, and then what i would recommend is eventually i don't know if you've heard the saying like don't build your house on rented land so you eventually you do want to keep your things on creative market but then move them over to a website and really work on your traffic and developing your own audience to um, make sure that you kind of own that like, um, domain (laughs) so that if creative market did like shut down, if the algorithm changed, if there was an adpocalypse, like there was on YouTube, um, like if anything happened to creative market, you would still have your own website. But I I do think that at first it's a really valuable resource to have when you're just starting out and you really want to get that kind of like momentum going to use their audience.
0: Yeah, I think the the best saying is don't put all of your eggs in one basket. And mm-hmm. it's the same is true for Creative Market or any platform out there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I definitely think diversifying after, after you've sort of gotten a feel for it um, and once you've got a lot of time to devote to it is important. So now I have them on Creative Market and on my website, and I'm also experimenting with Etsy.
0: Okay, cool. So yeah. is there any um, – besides – kind of directing your traffic to Creative Market to kind of get on the good side of the algorithm. Are there any other things that people should be doing to in terms of like maybe keywords or anything like that?
1: Yeah, there's lots. So on Creative Market, your product descriptions pretty much much work the same way as like text from your website. So anything that any of the rules about SEO will apply to your product descriptions. You want to include your keyword in there, but you don't want to like keyword stuff, quote unquote. And then they also have tags and there are a couple of rules about tags when it comes to like duplicates or um, plurals or anything like that. But essentially you want to tag your products correctly as well because those will actually, uh, those will also impact search. Um, So there's that. The other thing is you want to make your product look uh, like as good as it possibly can with your images. On Creative Market, they call them screenshots and basically... What the best advice I've ever heard somebody say is that you want to use screenshots that sell the product if there wasn't a description there at all. Like if if there wasn't a description, if there wasn't a title, if there wasn't tags, if there wasn't anything, people should look at your screenshots and know exactly what they're getting from you and they want to see how it can be used. So you don't, if you're selling, for example, like a website theme, you want to put it in a little like iMac to show you what it looks like on an iMac. Or if you were selling like a texture, you want to show somebody using the texture. Or if you were selling a pattern, you can kind of Photoshop it onto like a container or a tote bag or something. You want to show it in like in like real life <laughs> as much as possible um, to really sell the product. So those are the first uh, tips that come to mind. Um, but really, the best thing you can do for visibility, unfortunately, is sales. But if people are searching for, th- for something specific, you just want to make sure that your products are like tagged and that there's keywords there that are super applicable to exactly what your product is and really focus on that so that people find it. Um, and creative market also offers there's like a spreadsheet somewhere in the forum. If you're a a creative market seller, once you are, there's a spreadsheet that that people have pinned to the top of the forum with monthly, uh, search terms. So you can look at what the monthly monthly search terms were for the previous year. And if those apply to your product, you can go ahead and use them. And then the likelihood of somebody searching for that thing, they're going to find your product a lot easier, if that makes sense.
0: Okay. Yeah. So the big takeaways, make sure it's easily searchable and indexable, but also... That first impression in terms of the visual aspect is really important, too. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like YouTube. The thumbnail is how you, people decide whether or not they're going to watch a YouTube video. And on Facebook, the first eight seconds of a video is how somebody decides if they're going to watch the Facebook video. Um, yeah. On Creative Market, it's the screenshot, as mm-hmm. you called it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The images are everything.
0: Okay, great. So um, I want to talk a little bit about um, how you nurture your audience so that they're ready to buy on creative market so that anyone who's interested can get those first few buyers that will then help the algorithm get on their side. So are you Mm -hmm. kind of building an email list or what's your strategy with that?
1: I honestly have always put my effort into Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram stories all the time and although I only get a few hundred people watching my Instagram stories, They're like my people, like they watch my Instagram stories because they love what I do. Um, So I actually think that I get a lot of my sales and my engagement and my conversation and my research from Instagram stories personally, but I do also have an email list and my email list was built by giving away a free set of Instagram highlights covers Um, which I released at the time, Instagram highlights were pretty new. They were like maybe a couple weeks old. And I released this blog post about how to create Instagram highlights covers and like post them to your account. And I offered free ones and that blog post on Pinterest, when I sort of created the little pins, it said free Instagram highlights covers. Um, I did the thing that you do with tailwind and use the tribes and it really took off and that blog post is still bringing in like a dozen people a day on my on my email list and i think looking back that was pretty aligned with what i would do down the line which is release customizable templates for other things including instagram so um looking back kind of reverse engineering the thing that i did kind of by accident was release a lead magnet and make it really valuable don't just release like another time tracking spreadsheet Release something really valuable, really usable for the audience that you think will buy your thing down the line. So I have a friend who sells website templates for Squarespace and she's made, um, she's put so much effort into this little free mini course about how to customize your Squarespace website. Um, so I think that's another great example of something that's super valuable. You're not going to see a lot of those on Pinterest and it's going to bring in people who are clearly DIYing their website and that they might be interested in her templates, Right. So that would be my advice for audience building.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's great. Um, because when it comes to generating an email list, if your purpose and your goal is to sell a product, you can't just arbitrarily create something random. It needs to be mm-hmm. like purpose driven and it has to be related to that end product that you're focused on selling. And it sounds like you had a just by happenstance, a perfect example. Of yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I first started my business, I was like, oh, I need to do the Pinterest thing and do blog posts because that's what everybody does. That's what they tell me to do. So I did probably two dozen blog posts only looking back, only a couple of them made sense. So now most of them, you just get a 404 page, like an error page, or you're redirected to something else because they weren't useful. Um, But the couple that were really useful I've kept and that they, and they've proven to be incredibly useful over time. So I do think that looking back quality over quantity, 100% super important when you do that. And yeah, thinking about what you're gonna sell first, I think a lot of people kind of do that backwards. They're like, well, what can I do to, to grow my email list? But actually the best question to ask is, what am I selling? And then what do the people who will wanna buy my product need before they're gonna buy my product? Like, is it gonna be proof that I release great products, in which case maybe a sample would be a great idea? Or if you're doing something like a website, they want to get familiar with the platform. Just think about those like steps before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I always call it like um, shine a light on the pain point that your end product is solving. So for that Squarespace mm-hmm. example, obviously somebody is that pain point is I need to figure out how to make my website beautiful and like how to actually customize it myself. So that the lead magnet example is like perfect, right? Because it, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, you have this problem. Let me, let me start to help you solve it. And it just leads mm-hmm perfectly down that funnel. Um, And and Instagram, it sounds like if you're going to be interested in creative market, your audience is probably going to be on Instagram just because of how visual that platform is. Would you agree with that?
1: I would. Yeah. And then I also, a couple of people have asked me too, when I deliver my product, I have like an instructional document. And on the last page of the document, I say, follow me on Instagram. I don't say go get the free thing from my email list. I say, follow me on Instagram because I'm always on Instagram, that's like my place to be. I could care less about Facebook. I 100% put all of my efforts into Instagram. And if I can get people to come to Instagram and sort of see the behind the scenes of what I'm doing and kind of connect with me, that's like my favorite way to grow my audience is to actually have like a one-on-one connection. And I think that that's so much more valuable and that relationship is going to prove so much more fruitful than just being subscribed to a new a newsletter, so that's always been kind of my idea with that. Like, if they've already purchased something from me, they might have already come from my email list, and then they can come to Instagram and really get to know me. And I think that's where the relationship building part comes. And I have so many people from Instagram who are like, "I've bought all of your templates. I can't wait to buy another one." Like, they fully support me, uh, and then they know that I have a dog, and they know that I only wear Lululemon leggings, and that I like iced coffee and you know, we have this like rapport basically.
0: Yeah. They, they know you and they really feel like they're a part of your life, which is kind of yeah. and stalkerish, but really cool too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, do you mind sharing like roughly how many people are following you on your Instagram account?
1: Yeah, I think I'm about to hit 1500. Okay. Um, and then a lot of that, Um, I've gotten from doing that from Pete, sending people from my templates over to my Instagram. I put it in my signature of most of my emails. I remind them to come follow me. And then I also get a lot of people who just kind of shout me out on Instagram stories. They're like, Oh, I just bought this template and it looks great. Or, um, when I was doing client work, I had clients who mentioned me and then I would get a short little bump. So it's been slow and steady. Um, but I do have like 300 to 350 people who watch my Instagram stories every day too. So when you think about it, that's like. 350 people would not fit in my house, right? That's a lot of people. So it's, it sounds small in comparison to like Amy Porterfield or Marie Forleo or Jenna Kutcher, you know, like these people with huge followings, but those 350 people are like my power people. They support me. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they're just going to be the ones to help you grow even more. And I think that that's a great message. It doesn't matter how big your audience is. It just matters how much your audience connects with you and has that relationship with you so they're Mm -hmm. they're gonna cheer you on no matter what you do which is great and I'm just gonna um, direct anyone who's listening who wants to figure out how to grow that engaged Instagram account Um, episode 005 of the podcast is with um, Amanda from plush content co and it's all about how to kind of cultivate that really strong relationship so if you're interested in learning more about that definitely head to that episode cool. Okay. So is there anything else that you feel like somebody who's shopping around for ways to sell digital products? Um, anything else that they should know about creative market to get started? Oh, that's a good question. Um, you know what? I
1: think a lot of people, so a lot of people might listen to this episode and a lot of people have seen me on Instagram have success with creative market. And they ask me, how do I get started on creative market? And then, you know, like the nosy person that I am, I click on their profile and they're an accountant. And I'm like, what? How do you get started on creative market? You're an accountant. That doesn't quite add up. So if there's anybody listening to this episode, who's like, Oh, creative market, passive income. That sounds great. It's totally a buzzword. Um, I understand that passive income and it's 100% real, but it's real for the people who it makes sense for. If you're an accountant or if you're a wedding planner, or, um, if you're, I don't know any other, if you're a realtor or something, it might not make sense for your niche, but I promise there's something else That you can do that's a better fit. Don't feel discouraged that it's not a good fit. I don't wanna like discourage people from doing what they feel like they wanna do, but I do feel like a lot of people come to me with shiny object syndrome and I have to tell them, you know, does it make sense for your business? Like, take a few steps back, ask yourself who you're serving and what they need from you. And if this won't serve the person that you've set out to serve, it might not be the best fit for you. I know it sounds exciting because it's passive income, but you can make passive income doing a lot of other things. This is just what makes sense for people who are designers, photographers, social media managers, um, stuff like that. Right. So I do just want to mention, like, if it sounds like exciting and, and money making, it's a lot of work and a lot of things are a lot of work. So you may as well do the work that makes the most sense for you. Right.
0: I love it. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, and yeah, if you're an accountant or you're in anything else like that, where you're like, it's not very visual and it's not something that can be templatized, um, for a creative market. Mm-hmm. Again, there are other ways to create a, a different kind of digital product, uh, like an ebook or a course or a workshop or something like that. Um, so don't be discouraged that it's not for you. It's just that creative market isn't for mm-hmm. you. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Okay, Alicia, tell us where the Rebel Boss ladies can find you.
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. I'm always on Instagram stories at basil and bark. And if you're curious about um, anything that I offer, any of the tips and tricks that I have about my templates, I have lots of blog posts about them on basilandbark.com. And my creative market shop is creativemarket.com slash basilandbark. And pretty much basil and bark anywhere you can find me, but Instagram is the place to be.
0: Awesome. And, um, just to shout you out. So you are, um, in the middle right now of a launch for digital product boss, Mm -hmm. which is a course to help people kind of get that digital product created and onto creative markets. So can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah. Digital product boss is just about to be enrollment is just about to close, but it will be reopened in the spring. Um, and it's a course all about, all about, kind of hacking the algorithm, how to create those screenshots, how to write your descriptions, how to choose your tags, how to run a sale, how to do all of the things that I do on Creative Market on a daily basis to get the visibility and make the sales. So once you have an amazing idea, if digital product is the if digital product boss is the right fit for you, then send me a DM and let me know.
0: And I'll get a link from you and include it in the show notes to that page and maybe a wait list for that so that if it's not mm-hmm. open when they when people check it out they'll be able to hop on the wait list we really appreciate you coming on the show this was a lot of fun guys definitely go check out alicia i'm going to leave her social links and website links in the show notes and thanks so much for being here thank you do you want 2019 to be the year that you finally create and sell a profitable digital product I've got good news for you. The first annual Rebel Boss Virtual Summit presented by Deadline Funnel and hosted by me, Eden Fried, is coming your way this February. From February 26th through 28th, 2019, you'll hear from more than 25 of the internet's smartest and most successful digital marketers, product creators, and entrepreneurs who are sharing their best tips and tricks to help you launch your next profitable digital product. Tickets are 100% free. Just head to rebelbosses.com to grab your free ticket to the virtual summit. Again, that's rebelbosses.com to grab your free ticket to 2019's premier digital product event. See you there rebels you just listened to an exclusive interview with alicia from basil and bark she told us all about how she got started in this world but she also shared tons of really tangible tips on how to leverage the creative market platform which i thought was interesting because it is a bit of a different spin on selling digital products less reliant on email marketing and more so on social media so if that sounds like it's right up your alley definitely give alicia a follow you can check her out on instagram she's really fun to follow she's also really fun to stalk whatever you call that you can find her on instagram at basil and bark again that's at basil and bark definitely give her a follow Thank you to Alicia for a really incredible episode packed with tons of actionable information. We really appreciate it. Rebels, thank you for tuning in. Keep kicking ass, keep putting in the work, and most importantly, keep showing up.